Welcome to Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Bubba, it's good to have you back in the studio. I mean, it was a little awkward doing uh, the, the Rick and Bubba University podcast with you somewhere else. So welcome back to the broadcast. Yeah, it's like five or six weeks. Glad to be here, Rick. And what a great, great program we have today. Well, uh, Fox and Friends, uh, we've had a relationship with these guys. They've been so good to the show, and we always enjoy talking to them. Steve Ducey's been on uh, the Rick and Bubba radio show, uh, but this is his first appearance ever to Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together. From Fox and Friends, it's Steve Ducey. Steve! Steve! Steve, Steve, the Steve, Steve, Steve. Welcome, Thank in, you, buddy. Brother. Thank you very much. Nice to join you via the miracle of my phone on my knee in my living room. <laughs> you are zooming, Steve. Look at you. I am. Thank Isn't you TV? Very much. I mean, hadn't the technology just changed everything we do? Isn't it great? No, it really has. And and it's not bad technology. It's actually good technology. I mean, during this pandemic, I've been actually uh, broadcasting from my living room, and my commute has gone from. 45 minutes to 45 steps, which is <laughs> amazing. I love it. It's, it's great. But, you know, we're in a hot spot yep, here in yep. the New York uh, area. So, you know, we've got shelter in place orders. So there's really no getting around this right now. <laughs> yeah, there's not a, not a whole lot. Uh, you look like an essential employee to me. Yeah, he is essential. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so, but we do want to talk a little bit about when you, you talk about technology too. Did you know, Bill Bubba Bussy? That you could just just in just a few minutes take the insurance that you have on your car and on your home, and because of Gobby, you could actually put them together, apples to apples, side by side, and guess what Gobby can tell you whether what? you whether you're paying too much or not. Love it. Now the folks, and I just like saying the name Gobby. I do too. Yeah. I do too. But here's the great thing about Gobby: it takes the pain out of shopping for insurance. And as I said, uh, you know, you get uh, 40 options to look at to see if you've got the best. And, and they use the big names too. They'll compare your insurance with Progressive, Nationwide, Travelers. Uh, just link your current insurance account. About two minutes it takes, and you'll be able to see the quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have. Bubba, would you like to know the average people are saving? No. How much? Eight hundred and twenty-five dollars per year on average, and if they can't find you savings, guess what the good news is there? What? That means you got the best coverage. So, so you go, okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not paying too much. They never sell your information, so no annoying spam or robocalls. It's totally free to check your rate, and there's no obligation. Take two minutes right now to see how much you can save on your car and homeowner's insurance. Go to gobby.com slash rickbubba. That's G-A-B-I.com slash rickbubba. That's gobby.com slash Rick Bubba. So, so, Steve, let's talk about how this has changed our world. I mean, here you guys are, and now with this technology, you're in a hot spot. You're in New York City. But yet, Fox and Friends must continue. Uh, wh- what has it been like to go from 45 minutes commute to the office to 45 seconds into – do you do Fox and Friends from the same place you are now? Where do you do it from in the house? I do it from uh, about twenty feet that way. Yeah. In, in another, here I'll show you. I'll just right. go yeah. Have you have middle. you built like a little Zoom room or or studio there at the house, Steve? How are you doing that? Uh, you know, here is our uh, what had been the library room. Oh yeah. Right there. Yeah. Uh, we call it that because of all those books. books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so then I sit in this chair, and that is kind of my background right there. Yeah, that's a good shot. We see you every morning. Yeah. We have you yeah. on here in the yeah, studio. We have you on the studio, and I look up. Can I tell you, and you're doing this, and I've done it before because I, too, have a bookcase in my office, 
and the percentage of books in that case I've read is somewhere around 15%. And, uh, that's, and that's better than mine. But you know what? It makes you look like you might have some depth. You know, you have it back there. With no, no, everybody you can could assume. be smart. Yeah, everybody. You could. No yeah, proof, but you could be. Everybody smart. makes the assumption oh. that you're a big reader and you're well versed. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on a secret. Oh, oh this is gonna be good. Uh, of of the, that bookshelf right there. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I talked to you last year uh, about the cookbook that my yes, wife yeah, and yes, I yeah. wrote. Sure. How many of those books are cookbooks? <laughs> uh, how many, Steve? I'm going to say half. <laughs> oh. All of those are cookbooks. Good grief. I know. And these are these are my daughter's law books. I think this row cost close to Two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm, yes. Uh, I, I'm I'm familiar with. If you're sending money to an institution, there's got to be something up in the house that represents it. Steve, I thought that was encyclopedias for a minute. I don't know what Man. that was. And then underneath those uh, are photo albums of when we first got married. Uh, and, and everybody knows it's on your first child. Who uh, and ours is Peter. You know, as a, a new parent, you take essentially a picture of everything they do in the first five years of their life. And back in the olden days, uh, people would actually, you know, go to Photomat or go to the grocery store or go to the drugstore and print them out. We now have three children. And uh, uh, when I was at NBC decades ago, a very smart consumer reporter said to me, you know, you will spend, how did she phrase this? (laughs) You will spend on photographs the first year of your first child's life, the same amount you will spend on college for your third child. That's so true. <laughs> you know, you feel bad for those later kids. It's almost like we just we just can't keep up that pace. It's you know when someone's running distance, they go, "Don't come out too hot. Don't come out too hot." And it's like we come out too hot with the first baby because we don't know any different. Uh, but 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 speaking of Peter, I mean, did, did, hold on just a second. Yeah. I, you rung. That was so true. Five of those books are Peter. Right? <laughs> uh, this, I'm going to show you something. My wife would kill me if she knew that I was showing you this. Right. What's the odds of her seeing child, this? Yeah, go ahead. Our third child is Sally, and the first page is her birth announcement. Right. 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 You got to have. You start with that. <laughs> Not one picture. You're in trouble, Not- Deuce. You should have never. You should have never. And I've got one. I've got some at home that look just like that. That is so funny. Well, it's because we went to, you know, that she came along just as we were making the transition to digital, digital yeah. photographs. And as you know, the as I look back, because we're just finishing up a, a new cookbook, uh, as I look back at those photographs from like 95, 96, 97, 98, 99, it's really digital. And uh, the the memory was the floppy disk. I have no idea how we got a floppy disk in oh, yeah. a in a that. Sony Mavica camera, but we did. <laughs> the pictures are really grainy. They kind of look like the original moonshot, but you know, <laughs> yeah, better than that. But it was it's new just, technology. We got better. 
Exactly right. Oh, we thought 72K was a big picture oh, back buddy, then, I'm didn't telling you, I, Yeah, I remember that before even saying, well, nobody's going to want these. They yeah. don't look good. You, you want to <laughs> hold the picture and you want to look at it. Now, I have, if, if, now, if you're in my family and I haven't taken a picture of you with my phone, I have no idea where your picture is. So, Steve, are you, are you guys doing your meetings online and then you, you do the show? And how does how that feel? And how, how long do you think you guys are going to do it that way? Well, the, the question about when we get back to the studio in New York is an open question because it, it largely depends on the governor and the mayor. And, you know, we heard from Mayor de Blasio yesterday. He said he's not going to open up anytime soon until he gets billions of dollars from the federal government. Yeah. And you're going to have to start laying people off. So that, I, I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, but we do know that, you know, the social distancing thing, it's a real thing. And even when we get back into the studio, until there's a vaccine, we're going to have to sit. We got that legendary curvy couch. We're going to have to sit at least six feet apart. So I don't see us going back to the couch for a while until there's a vaccine. And who knows when that's going to be. Yeah. And Steve, from what we hear, of course, we have uh, UAB here that's been uh, on the forefront of doing a lot of the research for some of the medicine. Um, An RNA an RNA virus, uh, there's not really any vaccines out there for RNA viruses, what we've heard. So this may be a while coming, and we're going to yeah. have to learn how to function with it in our society. You're absolutely right. And and from what we know now, uh, Rick and Bubba, is simply that it's a disease that seems to impact the elderly yep. and people with pre-existing conditions the most yes so if if you want to get through this as a functioning society i think we need to do the prudent thing and that is realize who's generally at risk and then protect them you know if you're over 65 if you got high blood pressure or diabetes or uh, obesity you gotta you gotta stay away from people or you gotta be just really careful but then at the same time you've got to be able to figure out how to uh, reopen society and get business back to normal uh, or else there just isn't going to be ever again, another normal business because everybody's going to go out of business. So we got to get, and the other thing is when, when young people, younger people are around, uh, you know, when the younger people and the middle-aged people are out and about, they're going to, they're going to wind up getting it uh, a certain number, but at the same time, they don't get it as bad. Right. And uh, a lot of them are asymptomatic or they don't show any symptoms. And it's like, OK, I had it. It wasn't that bad. Uh, and now it's over. And and then you achieve eventually this thing called herd yeah, immunity, the, the herd right. immunity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which which means so many people in the society have already had it. Your chance with more people uh, getting it, the chances of you catching it from that person go down. down. Yeah. You know, proportionally, because fewer people are actually uh, fewer people are actually uh, transmitted because yeah. they've already had it. And, and and the virus basically dies out because it has no host to go to. You you basically yeah. you know that's right isolate it and it without host it you know it doesn't drive a car so yeah. it, it's out of luck. Yeah, and t- both of you are saying what what no one right now because you know you can't critically think anymore or you'll be. You know, you'll be canceled or the mob will go after you. And but you're both saying the, you know, the elephant in the room. We can't stay like this until somebody somewhere might discover something that then says there's no risk anymore. 
and both of you said the same thing. The numbers keep coming back. They keep telling us the same thing. We had stuff from New York today. We did the story, Steve, you know, out of New York where they said, hey, we just, we just had 1,000 patients come in. And uh, when you count the, the the nursing home people who also were supposed to be quarantined, of course, Cuomo made some mistakes there, it looks like. But uh, we, we've got uh, 84% of these people of the 1,000 patients said they haven't been anywhere. They've done exactly what we've asked yeah. them to do, and, right. they, and they still caught it. And then what did you find out? Those that were healthy and young had very little issue with it. And then those that came in, 94% of them were uh, elderly or had pre-existing conditions. So you're right. We have a large part of our economy that seems to be able to function. The overwhelming majority of our economy seems to be able to function even with the the virus, like right. any flu season and any pneumonia season, in our communities we can get to the other side of this another way but you're not allowed to say that right now right you know uh i was talking to uh i'm gonna do some name drop and i was talking to dr oz about that yeah that particular- i know dr oz <laughs> yeah we play a little dr. tennis maybe, you, maybe you've heard of him <laughs> but anyway go ahead <laughs> so I, was, I asked dr oz about that i said so 66 percent i think of the of the 1,000 yeah. people uh, who got coronavirus and were hospitalized, they had been sheltering in place. They right. had not left the house. Right. How is that possible? Because that makes it seem like you can catch it in your house. Right. Right. And right. the way he explained it to me is when you look at the demographics and it uh, it impacts certain families who live in uh, multi-generational houses. Right. So there are a lot of people in New York who are crammed into one house and you got grandma yep. and you got mm-hmm. their children and they got their grandkids. I got you. And what happens is the grandkids are out and about, uh, you know, with their essential jobs and whatnot. They don't know that they have contracted it uh, because they're asymptomatic. They don't have a fever. They don't have anything. They go home and then they give it to grandma and grandpa. And that's when people get in, into trouble. And that goes back to my earlier point, because that's all really we know right now is that it impacts the elderly and the comorbid more than anybody. We just have to protect those that's people. Right. Yeah. Because to, your, yeah. to your point, who knows when we're going to get a vaccine and who knows if that's going to really be effective because this thing keeps mutating. Who knows what it's going to be? Steve, too, we, we had got some numbers from one of our local hospitals. And, of course, they only test people who are going to be at yeah. the hospital. Right. Uh, and it's a small area hospital. They they had tested almost 5,000 people. Uh, about a half a percent of those they tested had it. And the death rate was less than a quarter of 1%. So, again, it's highly contagious. But it's not what we thought it was when we started. Which is good news. I mean, and let's be honest, we all thought when this first started, we could be dealing with the Spanish flu or the Black Plague. We just didn't know. And, you know, we we took action accordingly. But, hey, in this time where there's so many people on edge and everything is politicized, let's all come together and go, thank God, above that it's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. Now, every life is is precious, and if you've been affected by it, you still got a loss. No, that's true. But overall, it's not near what we thought it was going to be. Well, you know, um, New York State has been uh, – one of my friends keeps texting me. I don't know if you can see those. Things. No, yeah, we can't oh, see Oh, we so can read good. them on the screen, yeah. Steve. That's great. <laughs> and a matter of fact, my, I want to tell you the last Tony. one, the last text you got, I completely agree with it. <laughs> and that picture is funny. <laughs> uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, in New York 
state, they've been testing the immunity, the people, yeah. the people who have the antibodies, yeah. which means they've already had it uh, and or, or they've they've been exposed to it. Uh, and it was something like three percent in the state in general. But there were certain hotspots like out on Long Island, I think it was 15 or 17 percent in Manhattan. Something like 25, 27 percent of the people mm -hmm. they tested outside various grocery stores have already had it. Yeah. So it's like if all those people have already had it and did not know about it, it goes back to the earlier point. You know, there are a lot of people who simply show no symptoms, didn't even realize it. But but that is how a lot of diseases occur in our society. You know, a lot of people are carriers. A lot of people have it, have no symptoms. So. Mm -hmm. Once again, just more things we don't know. Let me ask you this. Do you miss having Brian Kilmeade in your in your den with you? <laughs> yeah. uh, and if you want to, just know this. <laughs> this is the beauty of the podcast. You'll know when it's out. You'll know when it's available. It's an archive, and he never has to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? Today was his birthday. Is his birthday. And I wish I was there to, to bring him a cake. Uh, I would bake one from somebody else's cookbook. I was about to say, there. you guys have if done only, it. If only you could find one. Yeah, yeah. Right. Steve, how long have y'all been doing the show? Yeah, how long, that's a good question. Uh, Brian and I have been doing it together more than 20 years. Wow. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. He's like my, he's my, like my younger brother. And he's crazy and he's funny and very smart. And uh, I'm lucky to be on the TV with him. Does he talk to you about Paul Revere as much as he talks about Paul Revere to us? <laughs> My goodness. He's really got it, something going with these books, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, uh, the last Paul Revere conversation I had with him was about Paul Revere and the Raiders the 60s band. <laughs> and I, I've got I've interviewed one of their members, right by the way. There. Yeah, there it is, back there. But but you you guys, you know, have have a chemistry. And and I and and to me, you know, in this business, and Bub and I, we're we just we're we're rolling in our twenty sixth year, and you you can't you can't make that happen. Uh, you know, I re, I remember saw I saw a great interview with Huey Lewis from Huey Lewis in the News, and he said, you know, some people went the approach with bands, go get the most talented people that you can find, no matter whether you can tolerate them in the in the light of day or not, and try to see if you can thrill people with their musicianship and thrill everybody with how talented everybody in the band is, but everybody hates each other. And he said, what I wanted to do was find people I generally wanted to be around, and then we all just right. became a better band together. And, uh, and, and that's why he said they had a lot of longevity and the same thing. And I think if you don't like the people you're working with, you can only fake that for so long. Absolutely, and and that's I think one of the reasons uh, Brian and I have been together so long. Can you hear somebody knocking at my door? I do not. I do not. <laughs> Don't go touch you're, it. You're locked down. They could have the virus, Steve. They could have the virus. Yeah, so you're you're going to look. Okay, he's he's really going to look. Oh, okay. Somebody <laughs> just left. It's Cuomo. Right oh there. yeah. Uh, clean Steve, that off, are you Steve. are you getting a lot of packages via Amazon? I mean, it it looks like uh, somebody. Uh, is... Do you see this right here? <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness! <laughs> is that are are they in quarantine or is that the empty boxes? This, right. This is this is the quarantine. This is the stuff from Home Depot right. that I got. Um, and then I've actually got some groceries that are in quarantine. <laughs> These just came, and then the. Those other boxes down at the bottom. Yeah. My daughter Sally is uh, getting was supposed to get married on Saturday. Oh wow! Come on. So what's the plan? No, no, no. 
And so those are some wedding gifts, but they put it off until August. Okay, so, so you put well. Let, let so me, are they, Steve? Are they going to get married and just have the ceremony in August, or are they putting the whole thing off to August? Well, it was supposed to be last Saturday, so they put it off till August. Oh, and um, so we're going to go from there. And fingers crossed, everything's going to be fine, and uh, it will go off without a hitch. All right, so here's uh, it's wa- hard to kiss the the bride from six foot apart. It though, is. I'm gonna tell you, it is gonna be very unless you've difficult. got really good balance. Yeah, the, let's both get let's both get. How about this? Somebody point a thermometer at our heads, and and, so, and, I, and let's say I do. Uh, yeah, that's it. So watch watch this transition to the commercial. You're gonna love this. Uh, so if you look at the boxes we just had, if only one of those had the Tommy John logo on it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say this, and I don't mind saying it, and I'm going to say it out loud. I'm going to say it proud. I am wearing a pair of Tommy John underwear right now. Yes, I, I am too, Rick, and I thought about modeling it during this this segment right here, but Steve asked us not to. He did. Uh, now, here, here's the good news about Tommy John. All kidding aside, you know what happens with a lot of men, and I know, Steve, you you, know, you did the, the Happy Wife, Happy Life book. We all know this. Let's just be honest. Uh, until Tommy John came along, here's how it worked with, with men in underwear. I don't know where they came from. They're in this drawer. I was assigned them. You know, after I reached puberty, I've had the, the same underwear as they get to where my wife can't stand it. They go somewhere and they replace them. When they get holes in them, they tend to disappear. But but when the first time, and I remember the first time Tommy John ever wanted to do a, a campaign with us, I thought to myself, "Look, I'm the tidy whities in a pack at the at the retail store guy." You know, and and I remember, you know, they send you some products and you put them on, and I was like, "Wait just a minute." These are the most comfortable underwear. So I really didn't have comfortable underwear. I didn't know till I wore Tommy John. And they're doing women now too. You know, they've got women uh, uh, underwear. They've got you know, they've got shirts and they've got bras. They've got it all. And right now, if you go to their website and take the promo code Rick Bubba, it's twenty five percent off site wide. So twenty five percent off off the top. They've got great loungewear. I've got some of those, the shorts I wear around the house uh, for the women. They have the leggings that uh, are also very comfortable. They've got joggers now. They've added that. Uh, So right now, why don't you go and and you get it the best pair you ever wear or it's free guarantee from Tommy John. No adjustment needed. That's what they like to say, and I agree because I have a pair on right now. TMI, sorry. TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba. TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba. 25% off storewide. Now I mentioned a minute ago, and we moved on to the pitiful picture album of your your <laughs> last child. And I was going to bring up Peter because you know he he's gone into the business; he's doing quite well. When 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 he first started talking to you about this, was hold on the, for the people who don't know who Peter is. Yeah, allow me to show. Oh, they know us. They watch he, Fox News. This is, know who he, he is. this is what he gave me for uh, Father's Day last year. Pictures of him working at the White House. <laughs> so, so Peter Ducey, uh, you know, yeah. I remember he's the, doing a great job. Yeah, because because so I don't know if y'all that. did some big announcement or not. I just remember the first time I saw him, and I'm like, man, that guy looks like Ducey, and he's even got the same last name. Uh, but, but when he came to you, because you know, I've got kids that want to get into the same thing we're doing, and it, did you have that first? In- did you have any instinct at all that screamed no, no, go get go get a more stable real job? Or did you? Yep. Or the, so what's that instinct? And you know they're saying, well, wait a minute, how can you say that you did it? But we know how difficult it can be. We yep. know how. Let's face it, uh, you you can be loved one moment and then never heard from again another moment in our industry. Uh, so you did have some concerns. 
when because uh, my wife uh, my wife was actually the first woman to have her own TV show on ESPN. Wow! And so she has been in broadcasting for a long time, and uh, so have I, obviously. And when we got married, and and uh, the children came along, um, you know, there was there was a the question. Oh, you know, these kids, they're they would be great on TV because they've been around it. They're they're familiar with how it all works. And uh, Kathy and I had a conversation uh, about it, and we just sat the kids down and we said, you know, it. TV is a very tough business. So Peter decided he was either going to go into law school, in which case I would have had two wrecks. Oh, of that there. and a second job. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, or a business school. And so he went to Villanova uh, in suburban uh, Philly with that intention to either go into business school or law school. But then a funny thing happened. Uh, he was studying political science, which is a perfect entree to uh, business school. Yeah. And um, John McCain came to Villanova uh, for a town hall on MSNBC. And Peter's political science teacher said, hey, uh, to the whole class, you know, they're doing this TV show as an assignment. Everybody's got to go. Uh, so they go. And then the producer said, hey, before we get started, does anybody have a question? Peter said he had a question and the producer said, what is it? And Peter uh, told him the question that uh, he had thought up and the producer goes, oh, that's perfect. Okay. You're going to go second. So then when it was time for uh, questions from the audience, Peter asked John McCain this very funny question that John McCain actually never answered uh, (laughs) because he laughed for over a minute. How funny. The crowd laughed for over a minute. And it was terrific. And ultimately, you know, people said, uh, you know, once it was realized, hey, that's Steve Ducey's kid. Then they go, why? Why isn't he on TV? He (laughs) does a really good job. So they were looking for somebody to college age to cover the Obama John McCain campaign. And so Peter actually, uh, during his junior and senior years of college kind of did just a little yeah i remember that you know he'd, he'd, he'd drop in yeah he'd do a report from the student's point of view and then at the end they said how would you like a job and it's like okay there went my plan it's <laughs> worked out for him. no you're, you're right because my wife came from you know journalism and was a tv reporter and and then a, a tv anchor you know in, in the local market and, and so my kids grew up and they literally thought that all kids had mommies and daddies that were either on the radio or on tv and they thought, you know, what what station <laughs> Everybody does, does what that. station do your parents work for? You know, right. they, you know what? To to your point, uh, growing up, my uh, youngest daughter Sally, fi- fi- the one who almost got married on Saturday, she figured everybody's dad wore makeup at work. There you go, just I, like me. Yeah, not not, not just you and the kid whose dad is a clown. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So let's, let's, we've got, or a lot of hairspray. Yeah, we got about 15 minutes left. Sorry, I'm just waiting to see if Peter's on TV because it's 12 minutes. Oh, okay. He's he's looking for him. It never, see, there. Spin it around so we see. Yeah, the dad dad (laughs) in him never leaves. You know, no matter how many times this this is like our regular show. We just do whatever we want to do. Yeah, he's really doing, he he does a good job. You know, some people have said that he's almost as good as his mom was. He's better than his dad. <laughs> well, you've trained him well. Yeah. He does Hold a great on. job. Uh, is he on? It's loading. I don't know. 
loading. It's How long does it? Oh, there we yeah. go. Okay. All right. So he may pop up on that. And, and if that he lo- pops maybe. up, just we'll be quiet. Yeah, just we'll be quiet. Uh, let, let's transition here, especially wow. with with a son in the business. So we're sitting here in, in the middle of a pandemic. You guys, yeah. and, and and we're all going. We we all could die. Let, let's let's talk about life and death here. And then it, without fail, the transition starts where people start thinking politically. There's there's things we can do with this, and then and then it starts getting odd. Then then you know government starts grabbing for power. Uh, political opponents begin to think, "How can I use this against you?" Uh, and and we're getting at a time now where journalism, you know, is, is all but dead. Uh, and I'm, I know certainly I'm not saying you have that point of view or Peter has that point of view, but I'm talking about in general. Uh, you d- you know, journalism used to be, you know, and my wife talked about this with the kids not long ago. She goes, "I was taught that I was to report the story." Period. And I would to interview people on both sides, and then people would decide what they believed, didn't believe, or what they liked or didn't like. And she said, then I went to work for the Chamber of Commerce where we all grew up, and I remember the first time they wanted me to do a little chamber hour or whatever on the TV. And she goes, I went and interviewed a guy that uh, that w- was in opposition to something that one of the cities that I represented in the Chamber of Commerce we're doing involving. I tell you what involved, Bubba, when we were doing the chemical weapons, yeah, incineration, and, and, and incineration yeah. program. Well, one of those incinerators was in the town where we all lived, which is very comforting. Mm. And so yeah. she wanted to interview somebody who was opposed to it that thought it was dangerous. And then she was told, "No, no, no, you don't interview that guy." <laughs> and and she was like, "Wait a minute, wow. I thought I'm supposed to interview both sides." And they said. You work for the Chamber of yeah. Commerce now. You don't yeah. work for PR the PR is different than yeah, journalism. This, yeah. We're in public yeah. relations. We're not in journalism. Yeah. And she's told my kids, she goes, journalism today looks like public relations, not like journalism. <laughs> and um, and but so now the political stuff is starting uh, to to happen with the virus. And uh, do you find yourself having you guys just saying, look, we got to push through and get to facts here? And you know, I'm sure there's pressure that comes from all kinds of places, but. You know, a lot of you, your your competition out there right now, it's like we want to destroy a president, and if a pandemic will do it, we're all in. Uh, and that's not the role of, of journalism. Well, I think the main pressure on us, and it's the pressure that we always feel, is the pressure just to make sure that whatever you're saying is as accurate as possible. And, you know, so you've got to – You've got to rely on your news source and it all depends on who you look for news to. And so, I mean, in the morning, I, I look at the mainstream uh, big newspapers and I look at all of them and I'll read all the big blogs and I'll uh, look at the TV commentary and just try to figure out what, you know, what exactly is going on. Like you look at the Dow, I, it was up 500 a little while ago. Now it's at 392. And it's like, that's a hard number. That is a fact. So, Forget about point and blame and trying to, uh, you know, damage anybody uh, from either political side. Um, the whole idea right now is just to try to get the story straight, get the facts straight and present it. And, you know, we've had that slogan for years. You know, we report, you decide as long as you give somebody both sides of the story. And we always do that to the best of our ability. Then people are going to be able to say, OK, well. I like that part of the argument, but I don't believe that or whatever, however people do make their own calculations. Uh, 
because it's up to the people ultimately. You have you just present what what you believe is uh, right down the middle? Have you ever felt pressure from any network that you work for, including the one you've been for years, to say, uh, "We want you to we want you to to do it this way," or "Don't interview that person"? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. did you ever feel any pressure to do anything other than what you just said? No. Um, and, you know, 30 years ago, I worked at NBC in the local stations and I worked for CBS in the local stations. Um, you know, and I, I, I never had that conversation with anybody and I've never had that conversation with anybody uh, at Fox either. So, you know, it's just all the places are the same. They hire you to do the best job, given the tenets of uh, telling the story and journalism and you go from there. But, you know, uh, to your earlier point, when I was in journalism school back in the late seventies, it was all about, you know, it was all fact. It yep. was, yep. you could weave a narrative into it to get to the facts, to tell the story, but you would never put your point of view into it. There is a lot of point of view reporting now. Uh, and, and a lot of it's good. It, it's just when somebody goes over the line with an agenda and that's when you got to wonder Okay, that's a good story, but you yeah. know, are they are they telling me the truth, or is it the way they want me to believe it? And so, that's why people are wise to um, do everything they can to make sure that their news sources are are accurate and trustworthy. Steve, well. obviously, there's there's a difference in a journalistic type news show and a commentator. Yeah, uh, and yeah. and you know, I see that line. I know that line. Um, but why do you think the public as a whole perceives, say, say CNN or MSNBC to be liberal and they perceive Fox to be conservative? Why do you think that is the mindset? Well, I think, you know, when you look at um, when you look at the commentators, you know, they call them commentators because you want to hear their comments. And, you know. Back in the day when Walter Cronkite was the, the most trusted man on television, you, you know, he just uh, presented the news accurately. Uh, although there was probably sometimes you were able to get a point across by your story selection. And so the stories that he selected for the evening news were uh, ultimately what did set an agenda in, in the United States. Today, you know, our, our program is a news show. It's really kind of a talk show about the news. So we present the facts, but at the same time, we, we will, you know, work in our opinion about different things and, and people get that. And it's entertaining. I mean, you know, it's, it's not just hard news. And I, I, I like the fact that you guys talk about each other and their lives a little bit and spin that in there. What do you, what do you really owe the success long term to the show for what what do you think has made it happen because y'all have been wildly successful well i think ultimately it is just uh people trust us uh, you know we, to give them the news and we do it in a we we don't take ourselves too seriously but we take the news seriously and i think people appreciate that point of view and that approach what about um, like things we have to talk about this? Because you're, you're right. There's some things that you go, look, we have to point this out. The Joe Biden sexual harassment allegations, or she's, now she says she didn't use that word, but inappropriate behavior. Okay. And we talked about this on the show, but it, it, we, we, we're watching this and we're kind of tilting our head because 
the the political party that that is moving further and further to the left. I don't think anybody can argue that. Some people like that. Some people don't. But I certainly don't. And uh, but they told us during the Bill Clinton years, it really doesn't matter what this person does as long as they get the job done that they've been elected to do. We shouldn't care about his moral compass in his personal life. Get, get leave it alone. End of story. Well, then some things that I didn't like that came out with Trump and, you know, some things that, uh, uh, that, that he had said in the past and, and they were difficult to hear and, and disappointing. And then in this moment, it didn't matter whether he get the job done or not. He should not be allowed to be in this position because of things he said at one point in his life. And then they went all in on Kavanaugh. It didn't even matter if there's an allegation that was made back when you were in college and nobody can corroborate her story. To hear her is truth, and then you have to prove that what she said is not true. And we went, so that's the new narrative, you know, the Me Too movement and all this. Well, then all of a sudden Joe Biden has an accusation, and we are to believe Joe Biden first, not the accuser. And then they've gone as far now today, and I I saw, you know, your, your station reporting this, where some of them are saying, I don't care if he did it or not, and I think he probably did, but we have to... We have to elect him over the evil Trump. So they've gone all the way back to the Bill Clinton as long as he can get the job done. Well, you know, I I have not seen that story, so I I don't know exactly. Uh, I haven't seen those comments from from Bill Clinton. I, I no, not know, from Bill Clinton. Her, not her, from Bill Clinton. I'm just saying the people now who are saying, look, I'm now now I even believe that she may be right because some of the women on the left have been caught in a trap because they were they they said that a woman has to be believed no matter what. Yeah, and, forget and, due process. Forget when due it process. Was Kavanaugh. Now, back with Joe, they're they're back to due process again. Yeah, and, and people were saying, well, due process is what we talked about, but it seems like they've gone back into their playbook and they pulled out what they used to say about Bill Clinton. We now have some women on the left that are saying he may have even done what she's accusing him of, and I don't have a problem believing her, but I'm voting, voting for Biden anyway because we must stop Trump. Well, let's see how it all shakes out. Uh, ultimately, you know, here in New York, I, I don't know if you saw this story, but there was a federal judge who said that even though Joe Biden essentially has, uh, they figure, sewn it up, when Andrew Cuomo said there would be no presidential primary, uh, Andrew Yang wound up suing, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. filing a lawsuit, and now the federal judge says, you know what, you're going to have to have the election anyway. So, you know, is that going to impact the Biden numbers? I, I, I don't know exactly, but I do know that it, it was unusual that they would say, OK, we're going to have a local election. We're going to have a primary election, we're, uh, local election and uh, state election. But we're going to just carve out that presidential part. You know, some have suggested that maybe what what's going to happen going forward is for a variety of reasons, uh, you know, Joe Biden has had some gaffes and stuff like that. And people, there's been kind of an undercurrent of, well, you know, who's really good. And we didn't really consider him was Andrew Cuomo. Maybe Andrew Cuomo should wind up uh, as the nominee because there's some suggestion that there won't be a traditional convention. It might all be online. It might, who knows what it's going to be like in the summer. So, you know, the, the long shot, is yeah maybe maybe there's a possibility that uh, 
something could happen and it could be somebody else. But, you know, Bernie. Bernie uh, wants it to happen, to, though. Yeah, because he wants those delegates so he can influence the platform. Yep. Well, that's what he says. Um, and there's some there's some strategy to that. Uh, it's it's not like the other candidates are saying, hey, uh, I'm just suspending my uh, campaign. I'm actually getting out. Uh, but Bernie suspended and I think everybody else got out. And Andrew Yang commented yesterday that uh, justice was going to be done. And so let's see what happened. So Who do you think it's, Joe Biden's? It's, it's all. Go ahead. Well, if it, if it plays out like we see it now, who do you think Joe Biden will pick as a VP? He's already promised it will be a female. Well, um, the president spoke to the New York Post on Monday and on Tuesday they reported that the president felt like uh, Elizabeth Warren. Joe owed Elizabeth Warren because she never endorsed Bernie and she, uh, during the primary season, she wound up splitting the progressives to allow Joe Biden right. to essentially become the front runner. So the president seems to think Elizabeth uh, Warren. Hmm. Any, any chance that guy. he would pick his wife? Uh, I think Bubba's I confusing so. it. I think Bubba's confusing a, a caretaker. With the vice presidential, uh, <laughs> well, now here, but but think about it. you're seeing them appear together a lot. Yeah, well, and I, he I go probably back to my trust statement. her more than he would because <laughs> look, you don't want a vice president that really wants your seat. You know what I mean? Well, you certainly don't want Hillary because <laughs> no. you've just signed a death warrant. But but the uh, and plus back to your point though, Steve, and you don't have to comment on that. Please don't join in. But but back to this though, he he, you know, I thought to myself a good strategy would be for him to pick Cuomo. As vice president, but he can't because he he made a commitment that he was, that it would be a female. Yeah. So he kind of put himself out of that, didn't he? You kind of dropped out there for a little bit, but you're right. He did say uh, he did say that he was going to uh, pick a woman. So let let's see if he goes through with that. I mean, that's one thing that somebody said on the campaign trail. But as we know, sometimes yeah. things that are said on the campaign trail don't actually. Well, Deuce, thanks for being with us. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, we could we could talk for another three hours. I love hours, this format. Steve. We yep. could ramble on for 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 you know never ending moments. Uh, I wish you guys the best. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for how good you've been to our show. You've always well, been a great you. friend. And when you get the book finished, let us know because we want everybody to know about that as well. All right, Rick and Bubba, thank you very much. So long from New Jersey. Thank you, brother. Thanks for joining us, and thanks to all of you that have joined us for this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. <laughs>